You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech Fan 198, Sony's doing it again. Square Enix, oh boy. And hey, some arcade talk. And it is tech fan number 198. I'm Tim Robertson, and we've got the gang all here. David Cohen, hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Good. Yeah. yeah. I've had a day off today, so I've been packing up my house, and uh, yeah, things going okay. Well, technically the contents of the house, not the house yeah. itself, yeah. Unless you're <laughs> like Mr. Gadget or something. I don't want to take the house soon. No, no, that's the whole point. You're getting a better <laughs> house. <laughs> and Owen Rubin, hello, Owen. Good morning. I heard it's pretty cold there in uh, the Bay Area. Yeah, it's man, it's down to the fifties. Oh you know? man, <laughs> you might want to think about moving closer to the Caribbean or something. Yeah, I like. And you were in the uh, one. Yeah, one. It's it's one, and but you know it, it really doesn't mean anything because you, what you got to do is you got to scroll down in that iOS weather app, and there's a little thing down there that says it feels like. And that's the actual, who cares what the actual temperature is? It could be 85 degrees out there, but if it feels like it's negative 40, then it's negative 40. Yeah, high humidity and wind. And and just for the majority of our overseas listeners who don't subscribe to the Fahrenheit scale, that's minus 17 in in our real temperature gauge. Actually, your temperature gauge isn't, I, I think you guys have it right when it comes to the metric system and all that, but... I, when it comes to temperatures, I think we've got it better because it's much more accurate. Well, yeah, but I, like, I guess like, I think it's the the thing is is if somebody says it's I don't know sixty two or sixty eight, uh, I I I reckon most people probably can tell the difference between that. Mm, Whereas if you say it's if you say it's five degrees or it's eight degrees centigrade, you really can tell the difference in that. I mean, that's substantially warmer. Yeah. I think that's the difference is that you might have more granularity, but yep. I don't know whether it actually means anything to but us. Who needs our... it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be surprised. Be surprised. Anyways, uh, that's the only Unless thing I, I disagree 40, with you on, David. I, I think ours, I, I think that it, it's so much more accurate this way. I, I know what you mean, but um, the thing is, is when you live in a country with centigrade, you kind of get used to it. Sure. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So, David, it's, it, it means it's different unless it's minus 40. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because that's where they're both the same. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and we were actually close to being there a couple times already this year. Is that right? Yeah, wow. the kids have had two days of they call it snow days, but it's not because of the snow; it's because of the extremely cold temperatures. Right now, it's negative. It feels like negative fifteen. Wow, and uh, it's cold. Now, is the, are, the, are those snow days because they they think it's dangerous for the kids to travel, or is it just because they don't want to pay to heat the school? Uh, no, they they're going to pay to heat the school regardless. You can't turn off the right. heat because the pipes would freeze. Uh, right. So they still keep the school warm. It's because they don't want kids at the bus stop at negative 15 degrees waiting for a school bus, which could be late getting there. Now, you would think, <laughs> well, that's up to the parents. Make sure that the parents are, or the, you know, they're sitting in a car at the bus stop waiting or something like that. Uh, and that the parents are going to bundle their kids up correctly. But I'm telling you, my wife and I take our kids to the bus stop twice a day to drop them off, twice a day to pick them up. 
and I see kids all the time, not much older, and some the same class as my kids, so first graders and uh, seventh graders, and they're not dressed appropriately at all. They've got jackets oh. on. There's one girl that's very much into fashion. She never wears a coat. Never. And she's standing out there in, in the cold weather. Now, you know her parents are probably like, you need to put a coat on. I didn't mean to carry it on. It doesn't look good. I get to carry it around. And so there's a big argument. The parents are like, fine, whatever. Just be cold. I, I love I love your Cartman impression there. But. Yeah. I don't want to put a coat on. No. I don't want to do that, Mom. Somebody should buy that girl a fashionable coat. Well, there you go. So, yeah, it's, it's, because, it's for safety reasons. And I agree with it. And some... You know, the, the school that my kids go to, now we live in the city, but it's also a rural school because we're a school of choice, which means we choose to send our kids to this school district rather than the one we actually live in. And uh, it, there's a lot of rural areas to the school district. And with rural areas, at least around here, you can get great big giant open fields where the wind just howls through. So if it feels like negative 15, in some of the areas, because of the openness, it could even feel colder than that. Um so, you know, I agree with closing school on really cold days, but that's not what we're here um, to talk about today. Uh, we're on mute from uh, David, by the way. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> so you're having some problems with your Mac, Owen. Oh, this is what, you know, there's there's actually tons of articles about it and our, our posts and stuff, but and so far I haven't been able to solve it. So, you know, I, I updated to an SSD a while back, mm-hmm. which was a clean install, brand new. I did not migrate. And then I put everything I wanted back on it. And in the last, oh, I don't know, maybe it's been the last week and a half, I've two problems have arisen. One, when it restarts, it takes about 15 minutes to boot. Mm. It just sits and spins that little thing forever and ever and ever. At what point? Tried, um, it's in some kind, you know, I did it in the safe boot, single user mode. I tried all that. And it says it. The only thing it says on the display is some kind of sync weight, hmm. but I have no idea what it's syncing waiting for. And if I leave it go for fifteen minutes, it'll eventually boot up. Have you done FSCK? Yep. Oh, I, I you know, I booted it with the recovery partition and did a disk check. I did FSCK. I did all that. I, I fixed permissions. No, no, that's not it. I can't find that it's one. It's never at all. permissions, Just, by the way. It's you know, like, it's like the first thing people say, right? I deleted some cache file. Someone said, "Oh, the cache, this nah. cache file might be corrupted." I deleted that. So, but it eventually boots. It's just annoying that you know. And it once takes it so does long. boots, it's fine. Yeah. So yeah. What, so, well, no. Have Have you done any checking on the on the hardware of the SSD? Have you done like a disk surface check or anything? Um, well, it does that automatically, right? You, yeah, I I, I, do that. I think I do that manually. There, there is a there is a PC tool you can use called Spinrite that will probably fix it because it's if it's if it's doing that and then it then it's finally installing that sounds that uh, booting up sounds to me like you're getting read errors off the SSD. But um, the log doesn't show them. It just well, I, it, well it won't do because it's probably the point about an SSD is that is that what the computer sees is nothing like what's actually going on inside the SSD. It's all completely and utterly abstracted. So unless you can kind of get in at a lower level and basically hit every <coughs> cell on that SSD and get it to to swap out the ones that are bad. Um, well, I'll try. You know, it. Yeah, will it do that I, the, on the, a on a Mac disk? Uh, yeah, it will. It's completely independent of the of the of the um, formatting on the disk, but it only runs on a PC. But I know you have and, PCs. It doesn't. It doesn't throw away d- data, does it? No, it, no. In fact, it, in fact, it normally recovers data. 
Oh, it's, very cool. it's got a, it's got a very very good track record. This piece of software. It's been around for for many many years. It's Please got a, post it's, a link. And yeah, it's, it's grc.com, uh, and it's uh, Spinrite right. is the name of the. Uh, <clears throat> and it works on SSD drives. That's cool. It works okay. on SSD. Yeah, you run it at level two, um, and it will uh, cool. basically it, boot, it boots up into DOS. I mean, it's really low level stuff, but it will right. run through the drive. And if there's any if there's anything faulty with the drive, it normally sorts it out. Have you tried? Yeah, I guess you can't really boot the Mac into DOS. Never mind. Um, the other thing that I, that's been driving me crazy is the Finder keeps rebooting, re- relaunching, and I mean like a turn signal on a car. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say now every time it restarts. Now, now, now. Wow. Yeah, now. you've got corruption in there. Have and you all tried? my icons blinking. Well, this goes away too. This will just, this will do this about 15 minutes as well, and it'll just stop. And uh, reading online, people are saying, "Oh, this is, this is a problem with Google Docs." Everybody's blaming Google Docs. No. Nope, I took Google Docs out. It hasn't done it. They think it's the most of the people who have answered on this, including Apple, think it's anything that tries to put an icon, an image on an icon. Like, you know, Dolly Drive or anything that backs up or or Dropbox or Google Docs, they all mark the icon. Have you, you gone into in those? Have you gone into your PLIST folder and seeing what's being changed? I, in fact, I've deleted those. Okay. I mean, that, so now my icons are huge, right? Because that's what happens when it re, we rebooted. So I mean, I deleted all the preference plist files. It says I've, you know, I'm, I, I I'm, think your hard drive is host. Well, ex- I wish, except it stops doing it. Yeah, I think this is like a cache file somewhere that's gotten totally messed. Mm, I, I agree with Tim. I think it's to me. It definitely sounds much more like a hardware problem than a software problem. It I think you could, here's the you, other could chase, you could chase your tail for an awful long time trying to find it as a software problem and, it, yeah. and never make it go away. Yeah, here's, here's the, the thing. Other, no, so let me explain one other thing. The Finder does that. Everything else works perfectly. The doc stays. I can launch applications. No other apps do this. Nothing. It's just the Finder. Okay, and it's Only the startup. The and this weird startup issue, yeah, which well. is which, but that I could also be the finder. I mean, the finder's pretty fundamental to the entire system. If the finder's struggling to launch, it could be that fif- that fifteen minute of booting is is basically everything the system does as it starts with the finder constantly re- oh, it restarting. Could be booting. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a very good so point. so if there's something something corrupted in in the software that runs the finder. Then, then that could be it. Now, the reason it goes away, who, who the hell knows? Maybe after a while, it just something just times out and it just starts ignoring the errors. But it's, um, it's, and I tried a new user. You know, I tried creating a new user. Yeah. Nope, that does the same thing right there too. So it, it's so. Have you tried I think segmenting? It's have you tried segmenting the hard drive and putting a new OS on another partition? That I would do that, that would be the next thing. Use Boot Camp or or Disk Utilities. Well, make a so small this, one, install a clean OS, and boot from that and see what it does. This is what makes me also think it's the OS. This started when I tried to put back Little Snitch. Uh, That could uh, be a coincidence or it could be the culprit. I don't know. Well, I took it out. I think most of it anyway. I don't know if I got it completely deleted. This is what I would Uh, do in this situation because your time is worth money too and innovation. Do a boot camp camp on it. Do a boot camp, put a clean install OS on that partition, restart from that partition, and if the, the boot up problem still happens... Or that OS starts keeps crashing the Finder, then it's the hard drive. That's yeah. the hard drive. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, a, or, or even, even even clone clone use carbon copy clone a clone to an external drive over USB. Yeah. 
and then boot off the USB drive and see if see if, so basically copy the image to a to another That's an interesting idea. disk, boot off that and then see if it's the same. If it's the same, you know it's software. If it if it doesn't happen, you know it's a hardware problem. Yep. When I boot camp, can I do two Mac OSs? No, you gotta you, use I, your, you use disk utility. No, no. What, if I if I do boot camp and I create a, a not, new partition, not boot camp. You have to go into disk utility and you can shrink your existing partition and add another one yep. dynamically. Okay. Um, and then and then and then you can you can install an OS or you can image your existing OS to that new partition and then boot from it. However, I would do it to an external because if there's something wrong with your drive and you start trying to resize, yeah, that could mess it up. Oh, it's it is backed up. I time machine ran yesterday, so time machine runs. That by the way, that yeah. Well, I would still I would still take a carbon copy cloner rather than rely on time machine because the problem is if something's corrupt and it's going out to time machine, then it could be time machine too. too. But one did go out. If wouldn't it go out to carbon copy as well? Yes. But but then you'll know. Because you'll know if, it's a, if it's software. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I can yeah. do that. Yeah, this and, this and, is your two step verification process. If it's the hard drive itself, you need to replace the hard drive. If it's software, you just have to reformat and start from scratch. I'd be pissed if it was this drive. It's brand new. Yeah, but you didn't get it from OWC. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> no, I snuck that in there. <laughs> no, but yeah, this, yes, you know that too. I know. You're not. I mean, there's there's a lot of physics-related magic going on inside these things, whether they're SSDs or hard drives. I mean, it's amazing they work at all. And there's a So hell of why are so many people reporting the same problem? I mean, if you go into the Apple pro, the Apple forums or all, all these online forums, lots, tons okay, of people... I, I can answer that one. Yeah. It's because it's not a lot of people. The difference one is so many more people are using these machines now that yeah. percentage-wise, okay, it's, it's, it's almost nothing, but they're loud. Yeah. I'm just saying that they report the problems exactly the same it, as I Well, am. it could be that when you when something goes wrong with the with the drive, then this is the first way that OS X shows it up. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, it could be could be as simple as that. The, the The point is is that this this is always a difficulty with forums. You you really don't know whether you're getting representative answers, and of course you also get all the rubber chicken waving where somebody goes, "Well, I did this," you know, I turned around three times right. before I sat on the computer and it stopped. So uh, so I know. Of course, that I can't launch disk utilities. Because I can't get to the finder to launch it. Yeah, but eventually you'll be able to, like you said. I guess I could do it with a terminal. Huh? You could. I, yeah, I, as I said, I wouldn't resize that disk. I would copy it out to a different disk. Well, that's that's the first thing to do is, yeah. is is to do the carbon copy cloner, just to see if it's software and if it's okay fine under that. Then you know it's software. If if the same problem is happening with the clone, then you know it's hardware. Can you boot with carbon copy cloner? Yes. Yeah, it'll it'll no you 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 got to hold down the option. Yeah, you can no, boot off the clone, but to actually run Carbon Copy Clone, you got to run. No, it no, that's not what I meant. Sorry. So I have the, so I could install Carbon Copy Cloner on this machine, except that I can't launch it. From right. The so if you've got a clean external drive, yeah, what you what uh, you do, I don't, but I'll go buy one. Yeah, what you can do is plug that in your machine. Install it there. Boot off. Boot to your recovery partition. Install a new partition. Uh, install a new system to the recovery drive, yeah. Then repartition that into two, and carbon copy clone your existing computer to the second partition on it, there. It, boot from that. You see what I mean? It does. It does boot the recovery partition just fine, by the way. Yeah, that doesn't. That doesn't do this problem. Of course, it has a minimal finder. So if you hold down Option when you boot the machine, it doesn't take twenty minutes to boot. 
Nope, it'll come up immediately with the options. I click. I click. Yeah. The, see, I think that's software. Oh, okay. So my finder has just settled down, and now it's now it's fine. Right. So now you can run Copy Call Me Cloud. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm thinking the wait. I guess that's what I, I have. If it's, it's booting about 15, fine. How long are we in? Fifteen minutes. See, I started this at eight o'clock. It's about fifteen minutes. Okay. If it if if you can boot it in safe boot mode without the the delay at startup, right. I think that the problem is software related. I think your OS is just hosed. I think yeah. it's the. I think David, you've hit it. It's the Finder, and when it's trying to boot, the Finder yeah. keeps yep. crashing, and that's so. The so if you're if you're comfortable with your time machine backups, what you could do is just blitz the machine, put a and fresh OS on there, and then recover yeah. from the time machine backup. That may be what I end up doing. See if it's okay. Now we do yeah. offer this uh, free troubleshooting advice to anybody <laughs> listening. If you're having problems and you're getting nowhere online, send us an email and. Me and Owen and David will do some research ourselves and use our many years of experience, um, and we'll figure out the problem. Well, at least you know maybe we will. You know, we'll what? try anyway. You, yeah. You're joking. You're joking, but that sounds like a great idea for a regular podcast. Yeah, there's but only, every, there's only like, like twenty ask, of them that do that. Every week, I would week also like to just, ask people to write in with what they if they've seen this, what they did to fix. it. Now you don't even need to do that. Just visit Apple's forums, Mac Rumors forums. TMOs forums and look at the problems people are talking about there. And well, there's your content. Mm. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah. let's move on from a lot of it. Owen pulling his hair out because his OS is corrupt, and uh, talk about some fun stuff like oh, I don't know what's going into the news now. Like I said before, uh, we do have a featured article or art <laughs> featured segment where we're going to talk about one type of thing. Uh, Easy for you to say. This week, we're going to be talking about an arcade machine. That's the only hint I'm going to give of that right now. Cool. So, And you both know what it is because I sent you pictures. I'm but, not telling. But let's, uh, let's start <laughs> with some of the news going on because, I, boy, talking about tech companies just making content for us, you know? <laughs> it's, it's just crazy. <laughs> we do seem to be in pretty much a silly season at the moment. It's just like everyone's kind of. It's it's like there's a. It's like the the moon's in a funny phase or something. Everyone's doing crazy things. Let's start with Sony. <laughs> yeah, Sony will let's sell. End, let's end with Sony. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sony will sell a premium sound micro SDXC card to audiophiles in Japan. Now this comes from Ars Technica. And card. this is card. Uh, card. Card. Oh, I thought you said car. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> no, that's Apple. It's <laughs> Apple doing the car crap. So this oh. is a direct quote from Sony. Um. Well, let, let's back up. This is what in in the Ars Technica. I took one paragraph out. It says it's yeah. not obvious what effect the SR dash six four H XA will have on Munich music. <laughs> Sony says only the card will produce less electrical noise when reading data, a statement which contains no quantitative technical details. David. This is crazy. Okay, so here's the fundamental problem. Right back in the days of hi fi, back now, and Tim, I know you were a big hi fi buff. I was a bit of a hi fi buff. It was claimed by many, many people that if you had better quality components 
Um, you know, not I'm not I'm by command. I'm not talking about the stuff inside the amplifiers and the and the tape players or anything like that. We're, but we're talking had, about cables. Yeah, cables and stands and things like that that you can improve the sound quality of your setup. Uh, and there was a whole. Yeah, there was a whole exactly. It was, and, and you know, there was a whole kind of. Again, there was a lot of, of, of voodoo and magic waving over some of this stuff. But it was claimed that if you spent a lot of money on oxygen-free copper cabling and things like that, that you would you would hear subtly better, different sounds out of your setup. Now the problem is, for ninety percent of people, they even if that even if that were true, and it was never really conclusively scientifically proven because uh, music is subjective and it's very dependent on a lot of variables but even if that were true most people wouldn't have the equipment to tell the difference anyway i've got a story about this by the way yeah well so we'll come to that in a minute let's just kind of put the put the point out there for anyone who's who doesn't understand what sony might be trying to do here so when we move to digital music starting with the cd and uh, then obviously we've gone on to compressed music and flack and uh, it's all in the digital domain the music is digital it's quantized effectively they take the analog sound form and they chop it up into tiny little bits and they represent those bits digitally and the higher the bit resolution uh, notionally the higher the quality and this is why people say that 128k kilobit uh, mp3 stream which has had stuff thrown away to make make it as small as possible doesn't sound anywhere near as good as even a cd or or a, a, an, a, a the original analog source and this sort of thing right. so despite all of that um people have still been trying to sell oxygen free copper cables to try and improve the, the sound of digital music you can get very expensive cables monster cables was a, yeah i was just gonna say i'm benefits. looking at you monster yeah. Wait, yeah. wait. They, a they cable would, from they where sell- to where, David? Everything. Huh? Everything. Monster they make a cable from the would, digital source to the digital exactly. player. They would they would sell you a uh, a, oh, digi- a, a supposedly better digital USB cable. They would sell you okay, supposedly you. better iPhone cable charging cables. They would sell you um, yeah, HDMI. HDMI optical fiber cables to go from a, a, an optical source like a mini disc player to to an amplifier and everything, and they would claim that they would make your music sound better. And it was garbage because it's it digital, garbage. so it's a stream of data, and you can't make a stream of data any better or worse. Well, wait, 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 no, unless wait. unless it's so bad that it's full of errors. Yeah, I'm saying, unless a lot of errors, you're getting a lot of errors. But you know what? But, but that, you know that sort of that sort of. Um, Error correction is the sort of stuff you see on high bit streams like Ethernet and stuff like that. It's not the sort of thing you see off memory cards or anything like this. So for Sony to turn around and say that they have a premium sound memory card that can make music sound better, nonsense. that is just complete snake oil. And yes, of course, because it's got the word premium sound on it, they're charging $160 for a 64 gig card for this. Now so let's that's five times the, the price, an equivalent card off Amazon. And it's not going to make the music sound any better. Yeah, and that's the key right there. The only difference between this card and any other one that you can get for $20 or less is silk-screened little words. That's it. That says premium sound. Yeah. This is a, a company Hang on. that's ripping people off. The, and here, hey, the quote, quote, the quote from the originally that Arles got this story from the journal. It says, "Sony spokesperson said we aren't that sure about the product's potential demand, but we thought some among people who are committed to great sound quality would want it." Now, I read that sentence, and I, <laughs> I read, I read that to mean, um, 
some people are so committed to sound quality, we see an opportunity to exploit them. Owen, respond. I'm sorry. Um, so there's only one reason it could do that. And you said it earlier, if it's data errors. So yeah. if you have a really, really crappy, slow card and it doesn't get the data out fast enough, you can get sound errors because the data doesn't arrive at the proper time. But, but this is a classic card. That typically doesn't happen on most cards today because the data rate is not that fast. Yeah, and a class 10 card is already a high-speed card. It's already Correct. rated by the class 10 spec for a certain um, certain clean data stream. So this, should, this shouldn't be an issue. The part that bothers me here is the word less electrical noise. So we'll say, David, when you started today, you had a noise in your microphone, Yeah. right? It was an analog problem. It was a power supply noise getting in his mic. It was an analog issue. If your mic had been digital, that analog noise wouldn't have bothered the cable where you said it seemed to be happening. So this is digital data, as you pointed out, coming off a card. The electrical noise of the card isn't going to be heard, even if there was electrical noise. This is uh, snake oil. Yeah. And opportunism as well, because there's there's been a lot of noise in the tech press at the moment about these high data rate MP, uh, music players, like the um, is it Neil Young's got the Pogue, Pono player? Yeah, and David Pogue at Yahoo Tech did a blind test, which will lead to my story in a minute, mm. where he showed, and he didn't go in with any preconceived notions. He claims, yeah, <clears throat> he showed that people couldn't tell the difference. And most of the time, they actually preferred the music coming out of a stock iPhone, the music that was purchased in the iTunes store compared to this higher bit rate music that you have to repurchase for this new... Well, what were they listening on? uh, The same headphones. It was ABS. No, no, but that's the point. I mean, I talked about this when I did the... Those very expensive, was it costs? Well, but that's a different thing, though. That's... If you get really, really good headphones... You hear things. I mean, it turns out. I'll go. I'll give you a different version of why digital does this. When we were digitizing movies for the cable system, we found that um, if if the like Disney sent us these sources, which were the highest quality they could send us, and we digitized them, they did not look as good as less quality sources because they were sort of smoothed out in the in the encoding, uh, and the ones with high quality had so much bit change that the encoders struggled to keep up. But the ones that were a little less quality were smoother, and the changes weren't quite as drastic, and the encoder could keep up. So we actually got better results from slightly less quality digital mm. source. Now, I know that sounds weird, but it was yeah, because well, we ran out of data. Yeah. I, c- I can understand that for video. Um, right. So in audio, but, but, I'm, that thing might happen, but the data rates and, and amounts are not that big. And also the the audio systems that we have built into our heads that come come as standard when we're born are not that discriminating, particularly as we get older. Yeah, and the whole, there's a whole load of stuff around this as well. But but I remember at CES earlier this year, um, Sony Sony also did a, a high end audio player, and they they announced that I think we might mention it on the show. They announced it was yeah. going to be a thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, and we all kind of scoffed, said, "Well, you know, that's more than the Pono player. What the, what the hell are they smoking?" Um, that they, they they think that anybody will pay a thousand dollars for a premium audio player. I think this is a this is a strategy by by Sony to basically sell stuff, slap the word premium sound on it, and sell it at a massive markup. And I think that um, 
they really should have better respect for their customers now because it's literally uh, price price gouging. Well, in Sony's defense, almost everything that they're selling now isn't selling. The only thing that they're really making money from is the PlayStation 4. Their televisions, they're talking about getting out of it because they can't compete. Uh, they're in a lot of... Now, and the other area that they're doing really well in is as a supplier for, let's say, the iPhone, uh, the camera in the iPhone. They're doing really well there. But they're not selling their own cell phones. They're doing well in cameras. Uh, yep. Uh, the new Sony... The new Sony Full frame is one of considered one of the best cameras on the market right now. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's selling a lot. It's too expensive to sell a well, lot. There you it's, go. Well, there you go. Uh, and it's then two thousand dollar camera. All of the little things that they do, all the little DVD and Blu-ray players, and uh, none of that stuff is selling at all. And a lot of people are suggesting that Sony kind of steps back and refocuses on what's making them money as a supplier for other companies and as really the PlayStation company. And I, you know, I've always had a love affair with Sony growing up. They made high end quality stuff, David. Yeah, no, I agree. I was, I'm very much with you and I still have old Sony stuff that I really love, that I really enjoy. And, and, and I don't, this is the problem though. By, by, by turning their brand into something where everybody with any sense at all knows they're ripping people off, that's not going to help them. No, I agree. It might give them a short-term revenue kick. It's not going to help them. If they wanted to turn... You know what? I think Sony could very well position themselves to say, you know what? MP3 is not great. The iPhone is an, is an adequate music player, but for a little bit more money, we can build a music player and a music service that, that, that actually will make the music sound better, and we can, we can charge a little bit more for that. I think that would be a, a, a reasonable play for them to make, but not to do that by saying, okay, but we're going we're to make out it's so good, that, and we're going to tell lies in the marketing, that, that means we can charge you three four five times what what it what it costs to make and and basically we're going to lie to you to do that that is completely off a boneheaded strategy and anybody with any sense at all is going to look at this and see that it's it's a lie and it's a sad state of affairs because owen we've talked when we did a, a show you and i when david was out one day about sony and oh, yeah. you had a love affair with that company as well everything in my everything i owned was sony yeah. i mean speakers um Amplifiers and, and so there is one place Sony does really well. So I used to build video production facilities, and Sony makes professional video equipment for production equipment for production facilities. It's very good. It's still good, but that's such a small business compared to. I mean, I I wouldn't buy anything but a Sony TV when well, I was growing. Y- yeah, it had to right. be Sony. Yeah, you know, all my audio equipment was Sony. All everything was Sony, end to end. It's just really. Kind of sad. I don't own anything Sony today. So these moves that they're making, as a an ex Sony apologist and fan, does does it bother you? Yes. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I I think I told you last time that when I went to upgrade my surround sound system, I ended up buying the high end Sony. It was a two piece, you know, preamp amp. Right. And it, it sounded great. I really liked the way it looked. It, I thought, this is really cool. And then I got home, and the first thing I needed, wanted to do was watch something from the DVR while I was copying a tape. Something stereo amplifiers have been able to do for years. Decades. It didn't do it. So you my had, 
Go it ahead. only recorded what it, what you watched. My story that I was alluding to earlier, there was a really high-end audio store in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And I used to go there quite <clears> often. <throat> now, I couldn't afford almost anything in there. But mm-hmm. I would save my pennies and I would get a few things. And I was in there. And, and I was pretty educated when it came to audio and well, not so much video, but mostly audio equipment in the day. And I was in there looking at stuff and there was another guy that was shopping and he had a salesman. I didn't. And the salesman was really pushing him hard on these premium audio cables, RCA. And after the salesman walked away to get something, I told the guy, don't bother. There's no difference in RCA cables. As long as you don't buy the super cheap ones, just the standard RCA cables that come with the components will be fine. Well, the salesman who turned out to be the owner of the store heard me and started Oops. arguing with me. And I said, I can prove that there's absolutely no difference. Now, this owner I have talked to many times. I didn't know he was the owner. We agreed <laughs> to do a blind test the next day. I came back. He had a nice pair of headphones. We'd had an AB switch, uh, two CD players, and we were listening to music. One with just standard RCA cables and the other one with his premium ones. It could have been Monster, but I don't think it was. I don't think Monster existed as a company then. And the difference in price was, obviously, the kind that came with the the CD player was free. The premium ones were, at the time, like $50, which was retarded to me. Ouch. And so we did a blind test. Well, technically, he did the blind test because I never even put the headphones on. He did. I did the AB. He couldn't tell the difference. The only and it was a great experience. You might get in a, the only change you might get in a good, a better cable, like you said, from a dirt cheap one, is it has better shielding, so you get less interference. If if your cable runs by a power supply in another device, yep. you won't pick up. You're less likely to pick up the hum. Yep. But that's really. But that doesn't mean you need to go from a two dollar cable to a fifty dollar cable. Well, just go to a, a decent cable. The the nice thing about this whole experience for me was, number one, I learned. And, and I kind of already knew it anyways, but I, I learned a, a pretty cool uh, lesson. And the owner actually had gone out to Radio Shack to buy this little AB switch. He was so convinced that he was going to be able to turn me around and that he was right, that after <laughs> we were done, he said he's not going to sell those cables anymore. And he didn't. They were cool. gone. And so he, uh-huh. was, he was big enough to say, I was wrong. There is no difference. I'm not going to rip off my customers anymore. And that, to me, was a huge... Uh, lesson. I mean, yeah. I, I learned how to treat people, and in this case, his own customers. And he wasn't going to rip them off. That's cool. And and you know, I've just done a, a quick a quick search to see what the audio file sites are saying about about this card. And funnily enough, there's a couple there who are saying, "Well, yeah, maybe it will work. Maybe." And and the, then you get you get all the audio files weighing in, and they're talking about. They're talking about oh well yeah you know if it has if it has um, uh, platinum contacts or gold contacts then then that'll that have less interference and all this this sort no. of garbage and and you know think everyone think about what happens when you play a music track yeah a music track even a, a track encoded encoded in in FLAC or something lossless like that yeah is not so big that it can't fit in the memory of a modern computer or, or music player. So what all that happens is the thing reads it off disk, off the card, puts it into memory and plays it from there. It's not playing it directly off the card. It's not like a tape. 
Yeah. So e even if there is some sort of electrical signal interference degradation or error correction or anything coming off the card, it doesn't matter because that's not where it's playing the music from. It's playing it from memory. <laughs> you know? There's some guy – you were talking about that, Dave. There's some guy uh, who has pictures that are from Sony showing the waveform being different coming off their card than if it comes off just a cheap You know, you know what? They Look, they'd be far better spending money on the playback hardware. You know, he, I, you know, I believe that if you get better digital audio converters in the playback hardware and you look at the electrical signal path there, particularly once you go from digital to analog, because let's face it, when you plug headphones into your iPhone, that's an analog connection. Yeah, if you spend money on that bit, I think you will probably hear better quality sound. I agree, but not on the flipping memory card. Here's the thing, and and it's you almost have to feel sorry for some of these audio files. And I used to consider myself one. In some respects, I still do, but they are trying so hard, so hard to justify yeah. some of this yeah. stuff that they're deluding yeah. themselves. Yeah, when, it's kind of sad. Yeah. If you're if you're already in the hole thousands of dollars for stuff you spent yeah, chasing yeah, that sound, yeah. you don't want somebody to come along and tell tell you that you've been no, suckered. Absolutely not. So I get where they're coming from. I get why they're defensive, and it's, it's kind of like what Owen and I were saying, and you, David, that Sony was this company that really did cater to the high end for a long time, and to think and that what they're doing now is a cash grab to to separate a sucker from his money is a sad thing and you don't want to believe it and i, have to I think unfortunately that is the case i have a question if i take my premium micro sdx sound card and i insert it into an adapter because i have a regular sd card do i lose all the benefits of the card <laughs> here's the thing this this sound card that sony's coming out with you know if you put it in your camera and use it as that way you'll take much better photos yeah much better photos. much better yeah. with that yeah. we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back <laughs> Are you into video games? Well, check out one of the many club podcasts here on the Stoplight Network. There's Club Nintendo, Club PlayStation, Club Xbox, and Club Steam. Whether you love Mario, love Halo, love Crash Bandicoot, or just love some good old-fashioned PC gaming, make sure to check out one of the many club podcasts here on the Stoplight Network. These shows are weekly shows where we'll catch up on what we're playing, what uh, new stories are on that platform this week, and much, much more, all revolving around the wonderful world of video games. So check out Club Nintendo, Club PlayStation, Club Xbox, and Club Steam right here on the Stoplight Network. Back here on TechFan 198, we'd love to get feedback from you. This is uh, the first time in quite a while, guys, that we didn't get any feedback from anybody. Nope. Not That's one ev email. Because everything we say is perfect. There you go. <laughs> we always represent both sides of the conversation. Uh, we'd love to get feedback. It's Tim, David, or Owen at techfanpodcast.com. Please send us email or leave a message on our website, techfanpodcast.com, under the show notes, and we will read them right here on this show. We really do appreciate it when you do so. It, uh, it helps us make a better show. Uh, with that, one of the things that I did want to talk about briefly before we get into uh, our featured product this week is all the money that iOS is generating for developers. And yet, a big story broke, 
and this time it was from Touch Arcade, that David sent over. And I found this kind of interesting, David. Yeah, so so the background to this is that um, this is a game from Square Enix. Big developer. Very big developer uh, who developed kind of Japanese RPGs. Uh, they're, re- they're responsible for... Um, Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy is their big one, yeah. But, I mean, they do... <laughs> I mean, if you're into this scene, apparently they they do loads and loads of different games. Mm-hmm. So they did a game that originally came out on the on the uh, on the Nintendo um, uh, DS called "The World Ends with You," and a couple of years ago they did an i iPhone. Uh, well, it's not an iOS version. It was actually available. <laughs> this is Square Enix, and they're known for being at the upper end of the market, put it that way. So they actually did separate iPhone and iPad versions of this game. Priced at, uh, I think it was uh, $20? Yeah, it was 1999. Like that. Yeah. yeah, okay. So that's a premium-priced um, game. Yeah, premium-priced game, but the thing is about Square Enix, you know you're getting quality, and also you, you get a long game. Apparently this, is, this thing takes 40 hours to play through. And this was meant to be the ultimate version. It's called Solo Remix. The ultimate version of this game, The World Ends With You. The problem is... now. So, so here's the deal. So yeah, they're charging nearly $20, Available in two versions, iPhone and iPad, rather than Universal. And it came out um, during iOS six time. Uh, well, it, yeah, just in the just in the um, it's in in just as as it went from between iOS six to iOS seven. It was just before iOS seven launched. Okay. Yeah. So iOS eight comes out. It doesn't work. And uh, for a few weeks. Uh, well, for more than a few weeks, because iOS 8, I keep forgetting iOS 8, it's been out for about six months now. Um, for some time afterwards, they were kind of saying, yeah, well, we're going to get around to fixing this. And apparently some independent hackers have gone through the code, and it's a very simple fix. It's because the file structure in underlying the the, um, the operating system in iOS 8 has changed, and it's just trying to put something somewhere that doesn't exist anymore. And so they've actually done a kind of a hack that fix it, fixes it. So uh, this week... Um, Square Enix pulled the game from the store only this week, mind bearing in mind it's been out there for six months being sold and not working pulled the game from the store and said no, we're not going to fix it uh, and then somebody said oh, well, maybe we are going to fix it and then it came back and said no, we're not going to fix it and I, I believe at the moment it's still up in the air about whether they're going to fix it or not so here's uh, some of the feedback that I was reading on this article on Touch Arcade and I'm going to put a link to this article in the show notes so if you want to follow it just yeah. go to Tech Fan Podcast number 198 and look for the links. It'll be right there to Touch Arcade. Google 789 <laughs> wrote, everyone should be demanding a refund. And the, no. the next response was, as long as you purchase in the last three months, contact Apple and state it's not compatible with iOS 8 and the developer will offer no support fix, they will refund you, which is true. Yeah. Next person says, I'm, I'll be demanding my money back, and I purchased it over two years ago. Thank you very much. I will start a class action lawsuit, and I have lots of disposable income before I let this continue to happen. Last time I checked, I didn't see a disclaimer before buying that it would only work for a few years or so. The next person says, let's all demand a refund. This thing cannot happen. Otherwise, this is a massive steal. I think he meant theft. Let's all demand a refund. And someone else writes, if no one demands this, uh, the stealings will continue happening. <laughs> I love the stealings. So here's here's. Uh, I don't know. Can I get a refund, by the way. <laughs> here's, here's the thing: if if you bought it after iOS came out and it doesn't work, absolutely should you should get a refund. 
But nowhere on the product page does it say it's compatible with iOS 8 for this app. Yeah. Beyond that, if you bought it two years ago and it doesn't work on the new iPhones, do you think people deserve a refund, Owen? No, no. I don't think they deserve a refund. No, because, you know. (laughs) Okay, are there people who are still so not what's the word I want to say ignorant it's not the word but that they don't understand that when they update some things may not work and they might want to check before they update to see if there's stuff they're so dependent on is not compatible here's here's what I was taking from this and I and I was actually expecting honestly David you to disagree with me on this well I'm not finished yet Okay. I'm not finished yet. Well, let me say what I, I'm going to say, and yeah, then you... Because you... I'll come back. Because okay. all I've said so far is, I don't think if you bought it two years ago, you deserve a refund. That's right. all I've said. Now, if <laughs> there's no contract when you buy something that says the company has to continue to update it, it worked when they released it. However, if you bought it under iOS 8 because it was still for sale absolutely should get a refund if you bought it before ios came out you don't deserve a refund it's not up to the game maker to make sure their games are compatible with everything forever going forward otherwise anybody who bought a ps1 game would be suing sony right now because it doesn't work with the ps4 there's a attitude from way too many people that they should get something forever it's yeah. this, what's the word I'm looking for? Entitlement. Entitlement. Yeah. And, and I'm so sick of this. I really am sick of this entitlement. There are some things that we should be entitled to, absolutely. But this isn't one of them. And for people to be up in arms over a two-year-old game that doesn't work with the latest and greatest operating systems is ridiculous. Okay. So let me come back on that now. Yep. <laughs> I agree with you. Um, 95% of the time <laughs> that the sense of entitlement, particularly when it comes to software in the app store, is ridiculous. You do not pay um, app store prices and then expect to get free upgrades for life. Yeah, I completely and utterly agree with you. But let's look at how other developers, much smaller developers than Square Enix, have dealt with this problem. They have... Um, either said no, they've said no, we're not going to update the game and pulled it from the app store, or they've said which Square yes, Enix has done with this game, by the way. Now. They've done, but only done after this kicked up. Yep. To be honest, yeah, it's been out there for six months, and they've been presumably taking uh, and and yes, let's let's be realistic here. It's not like a lot of people will, will have bought this game over the last six months. We all know that we've all seen the curves. We all know that the way the app store works is that first couple of weeks, that's when you're going to make most of your money, and then it then it tails down to nothing and unless you do unless you do some promotion right. or or, re, or make changes or anything like that. And, and, and it can't be selling very well to begin with because if it was, they would absolutely be updating it because it'd be a big revenue stream. And if yeah. they're saying they're yeah. not going to update it, they're not going to put uh, any resources to it, then it's probably not selling. If they'd have said, straight from the off, as soon as people start reporting to them uh, when iOS 8 was launched, that they weren't going to update it, I would have no problem with this whatsoever. Because I think you're absolutely right that for people to continue to expect free upgrades, you could argue it's a little bit harsh. That I, I mean, I personally, if I were developing an app today and then I didn't want to do 
continual development of it in the future what i would what i would do internally to myself is i would commit myself to making sure it, it at least works on the next two releases of ios I agree. because we all know that ios comes out every year and we know that apple makes changes underneath and i think it's naive of you as a developer to turn around and say okay oh well it's changed uh, unless unless there's something that fundamentally breaks the app and it's impossible to fix but again i think there you've got a responsibility to be up front to your customers and say look this is the situation i'm very sorry i'm not going to be able to change it for you um you know i i you can take whatever attitude you want on refunds. I would turn around and say, well, you've had a year's use out of it. I'm sorry you're not having your money back. How and I think that it? is – that, that is, well, it's $20. Oh, so it wasn't exactly cheap. No. Okay. Here's, here's where I have the problem with, <clears throat> with what Square Enix have done here. First of all, they charge a lot of money for these apps. They're the, the most among the most expensive games on the App Store. To me – and I think it's not, unreason- it's not unreasonable for people who buy these expensive games to expect that from a big developer, if you pay top dollar, that you're getting a premium service. And the service is not just the game, but it's a little bit of support as well. That is part. That is the contract that I think you're signing up to. Not just, you know, I'm going to plunk down my $20 and I've got a game. You're expecting a certain level of support. And I believe that means, A, that Square Enix should communicate properly with you about the state of the game if it doesn't work. They shouldn't flip-flop. They should be honest. They should they should say, right, well, we're either I'll fix it or we're not going to fix it, and here's the timescales. I know full well the reason these things happen is because... Um, studios like Square Enix, they're far happier coding on PS4 and that sort of thing. When it comes to the mobile stuff, they farm it out to a third party. Yep. And they write crappy contracts who basically say, oh, the, the third party gets paid when the game is done, and then that's it. And then the, the business relationship is broken. So when it comes to doing updates, the guys aren't there to do it anymore. Right. But that's that's an internal business decision that Square Enix makes. And I think any, any publishing house worth its salt should anticipate this problem and put it into their contract that there's a there's some sort of sunset clause that says you know what if we need it you've got to come back for three weeks next year and fix the game for ios 8 or, or so on or if, well, they, or if, they, if they don't have if they don't have that then they turn around and they sell and they say to their customers you know we make no guarantee of this game working in future releases of ios that's um, the, that's the partic- answer particularly for guys, games yeah. you know i under, i understand that people are pissed i really do when they've paid top money for a game um, and then they've, you know, through no fault, of course, you can't roll back with iOS. So people have gone and upgraded. They've not bothered to check every single piece of software they have is compatible. And then they find some of it doesn't work. But you know what? There are other companies that, that stand by these things. Atari, for instance. Atari Greatest Hits, which does all the arcade games and the old 2600 games, didn't work on, on iOS 8. Yeah. They, they updated it this week. And they were very upfront about it because the um, people complained to Atari. Atari referred them to the uh, development house who who actually uh, did the updates. Uh, and the development house w- was contacting people and saying, "Look, we're we're trying to come to an arrangement with Atari to come on and uh, to come on and fix this." And they've done it, so it can be handled. It can be dealt with. Square Enix, unfortunately, have treated their customers very badly here, and that's why people are particularly upset. So the, we were talking about uh, for our featured tech this week mm-hmm. is a full-size arcade game. Does it work on iOS 8? <laughs> it, it, well, if you put iOS 8 on top of the arcade, it actually works fine. But if you put so, the arcade so, on top of anything that's running iOS, it, it just won't work. It will so, work. So tell, tell me, uh, which arcade are you going to to see this game? Yeah, my front room at the moment. 
Yay. So here's here's the story, and I know you've got to you've got to get out of here in literally eight minutes, Owen. So if we yeah, if we're not time. done by then, uh, we'll we'll just say goodbye. Carry to on you. and talk yeah. about me. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and thank you for the nice comment last time, you guys. I heard that. So thank you. <laughs> My wife sends me um, a tag. Another, she tags me in this post on Facebook. It's a buy, sell, and trade group on Facebook, and there's an arcade sitting there. It's a uh, Neo Geo. Bust a move. Now, it's also Bubble Madness. I don't know why there's two different names, but there is. And I have uh, a main version of that game, and it's a pretty fun game. But for me, it's a Neo Geo. It's got a JAMA board in it, which means I could plug a different board into it, and it could be a whole different game. It's a Neo Geo, which means I could put a different cartridge in it, and it's a whole different game. And it's a full-size actual arcade machine with the coins and, and everything. Right, yep. and the guy's asking one fifty. Wow! Ooh. Wow! And it looked pretty good in the picture. What pictures. was wrong with it? Well, that's you got to ask yourself that, right? And uh, he said he wanted one fifty or best offer, and he's open to trades. And a couple people offered a hundred dollars if he could deliver it, and he was like, "I'm not delivering this thing." <laughs> and, and remember, it's February. We've had a lot of snow, yeah. and it's blistering cold out here. So was he nearby? Yeah, he he was nearby, about a mile, about two miles from Ooh. my house. Wow! So I look at it. I I would really like to look at it in person. So I make him a trade offer for a Bluetooth speaker I have that I'm not using that I haven't used in a long time. That the value of the speaker is actually a little bit more than the arcade, but it's not a huge Bluetooth speaker. So in my mind, I'm thinking, I if he'll trade this little tiny speaker for this arcade, I'll totally do that. Yeah. I sent him the specs and the Amazon picture and the link. And about three hours later, he finally agreed. Cool. Yeah. Well, maybe not. Not Uh-oh. so cool. Because now I've got to figure out how I'm going to get this big-ass arcade, which is, you know, eight foot tall, to my house. Well, technically, it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not eight foot. It's probably, what, six and a half, seven foot tall? Yeah, it's too, like too big to put in the passenger seat your Honda, though. Well, we do have a Ford Explorer. And right. one of the shows that I like to watch on YouTube is called John's Arcade, who Owen has actually been on his podcast before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Arcade Outsiders. He has a, a very similar vehicle, and he moves arcades in it all the time, so I knew it would probably fit. You but, might hang out a bit out the back, but it can work. Yeah. So I got a hold of Chad Perry, who was my original co-host on the MyMac podcast, <laughs> and he's been on TechFan, what, maybe three or four times now. Yeah. And asked him, hey, do you think you could help me move an arcade? And he agreed. So we went over there last Sunday. And uh, very nice house. Guy haven't shoveled an inch of snow on his sidewalk, of course. <laughs> I bring in the Bluetooth speaker. He plugs it in, tests it. Of course, it works perfectly, and it looks perfect. And uh, he's very happy with it. At the same time, Chad and I are actually looking at the arcade. It's in fantastic condition. Wow. Usually with these arcades, you'll see some water damage on the bottom. The yeah, monitor might up. be you know, kind of blurry or <clears throat> needing a cap job. It, it doesn't light up at the, the marquee at the top. The, you know, there's always something yeah. wrong with them, especially for 150 bucks. I couldn't find anything wrong other than a little wear mark on the control panel where people would rust their arms, but that's, that's just paint. That's nothing. Yeah. Other than that, there was nothing wrong with this thing. He even had all the keys for it, except for the key in the back, which he wow. didn't even know there was a key in the back. So I've, 
I actually have to drill that out. So, Usually it's the same as the front key, it wasn't? No, it's not. How it unusual. Work. I know. So I we agreed to do this trade, and Chad and I, we worked together uh, doing deliveries and repos way back in the day, late <laughs> 80s, early 90s, somewhere in there, right? <laughs> but when it comes to moving furniture and big items, Chad and I don't even have to talk to each other as we're doing it. We just know what the other person's going to do. Yeah. I mean... It takes a long time to develop that, but we've got that. And it's just this, we both know he's going to go this way because that makes the most sense. And I've worked with him so many times in the past, moving sofa sleepers and side-by-side refrigerators up five flights of stairs. (laughs) I know what he's going to do. So when it comes to moving something like this, for me, Chad is the perfect partner because I just know what he's going to do. Now, I, I figured it would be heavy, but I figured this thing would be maybe 150 pounds, right? Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> this thing is probably closer to 250 pounds and there's yeah, really nowhere to cartridge. grab it because it was a cartridge based system. The cabinet was built a little stronger to survive longer. Yeah. Right. It wasn't one game. Take it out. Get rid of it. It was going to be other game. Right. That's the nice thing about the Neo Geo system is that um, an arcade owner would buy this machine. And let's say bust a move, bubble trouble, whatever game happens to be in it isn't working. It has a VCR-sized game cartridge in it. That's the actual game. The rest of it's just a JAMA board, right? The PCB. So if the arcade owner wants to turn this into a different machine, he just buys a different cartridge, and the marquee at the top replaces the glass screen, so it says a different name, and literally reaches in, pulls out this cartridge, puts a new one in, reboots it. It's a whole different machine now. Yep. And so we bought it. it. It took... Uh, a couple almost heart attacks, but we got it out of his house. <laughs> it actually fit perfectly in the uh, Ford Explorer with the door hey, closed. Sta- were there stairs? No, it's a Ford Explorer. It's enclosed. No, no. Were there stairs? <laughs> oh, the- well, they're not really at his house. <laughs> I thought you met people looking. Uh, there are stairs to get it into my house. Okay. But, but it was a lot shorter distance from the truck to my where we had to go into my house compared to where we pulled it out of his house to get it to the truck. Okay. And he didn't shovel, so that was fun. Uh, but we got it in the house, plugged it in, and it works great. Do you make your kids put quarters in it? <laughs> no, I because the key, I just opened that up and I coined it up. Uh, it's a fun game. I got to admit, it's a really fun game. But for me, I've always wanted a full-size arcade. I know yeah. you got to run, Owen. I, I want to make a comment, though. It's yep. very funny. So you know I have a few because yes. I worked in that industry. And and. So I've always left them on free play. You know, the lights flash. You just press the button to play. And um, I had a big party, uh, New Year's party at my house one year. I had about six arcade games there at the time. And uh, when I was cleaning up the next day, I noticed that there was about four dollars worth of quarters in the game. <laughs> it just made me. It just cracked. People actually came up and put quarters in. It was just so funny. That's funny. Oh, yeah. It was. So you'll, if you leave it there, eventually you'll find quarters in it. Someone will come up and put a quarter in it. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Owen. I appreciate it. I have to run. You guys have a good time. I'll listen to All it right. when you post it and see uh, how it went the rest of the way. And see you next week. See you next week. See you next week. Bye, guys. So, David, um, we get it in the house. Yeah. Plug it in. And, of course, the kids like playing it. It's yeah. cool more than Brooke. Mm-hmm. It's a two-player game, so there's a buttons on one side and control sticks and the same thing on the other uh this game only uses one button so there's basically three more buttons that don't do anything but again 
because it's Neo Geo, I just replace the cartridge and you can play more games. There are places that you can buy, like I think it's called a 161 in one. So it's I'm 161 looking, yeah. games. I'm looking at it now. In fact, it's on sale at the moment. It's only $100 for that. That's that's a normal price. Right. Uh, I found them uh, all the way down to 70 bucks. Uh, and, you know, the list of games here, this is, you know, some classics here. King yeah. of Fi- All the King of Fighters games, yep. SNK versus Capcom, um, Bomberman, Ninja Metal Commando. Slug. Yeah, all the Metal Slug games. I mean, there's some, some incredible stuff on here. Yep. You know, they all, they're all of that kind of style you know that kind of japanese yep. fighting style you know which was uh is classic or side stuff, scro- really. scrollers and, yeah and some puzzle stuff uh because the one i've got wow. is more of a puzzle game so would you uh, do you think you might get one of these cartridges for yeah it? oh i absolutely am um i know that it's technically emulation on the cartridges when you get the 161s and ones but I've heard that they're all done really, really well. And if I find a game that I really like on it, I might buy the dedicated cartridge. Yeah. Um, so so how hard is it to change the cartridge out? Is it easy? Yeah, it's, it's super simple. Uh, unplug the machine or turn it off. Someone installed a uh, power switch on the top of the arcade. Mm-hmm. So you turn it off. You open up the coin door. You can reach right in through the coin door, pull out the cartridge, slide the next one in, turn it back on, and you're done. Excellent. It could not be simpler. Uh, the only problem I'm really going to have is uh, I do want to get to the dip switches because I want to set it to free play. Yeah. I can't do that through the coin door. I have to go through the back of the arcade. And because he didn't have the key, uh, I can't open it. So that means I have to buy another lock. And once I get that, it's literally a $3 lock. It's nothing. Yeah. Uh, I will drill this lock out, replace that lock. And what I'll probably do is actually buy three locks because they're all the same on this on these arcade same type of mm. locks yeah i'll buy three with so one key can open one key opens all of them yeah and uh it's so clean i mean looking the inside of it it looks like it was built yesterday wow i'm just i'm amazed there's a couple small little blemishes um the t-molding above the sign is missing a piece of t-molding there t-molding yeah. is dirt cheap yeah uh, but long term i want to paint the whole thing red like a regular neo geo and uh, get a different marquee up there and mm-hmm. redo the control panel where you, you know, the buttons are. I want to yeah. get an overlay for that. So how's, how's the monitor look? It looks great. There's no yeah, problem there's with no, the monitor. It was a no little burn bit, in, no, no burn in, no burn in like at all. Uh, it seemed a little dim to me, so I pulled off the plexiglass cover yeah. and cleaned it, and it was just this black soot all over this yeah. monitor, which you couldn't really tell when it was on. Yeah, but once I cleaned it, it was it's so much brighter now. The kids were amazed that they could even see anything with yeah. as much crap that came off of there. But I I could not be happier. So technically, I didn't pay any money for it because I traded for an old yeah. Bluetooth. Um, but I just say it was one fifty. That's how much it cost, which is just I, dirt cheap. I I think I think that's amazing. I'm I'm really quite jealous because that is something I would I've always loved to have. In fact, when you sent me the pictures of it. So I, I showed it I showed it to my wife. I said, look, you know. But then at the you remember the question I asked you? I said, is 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 Julie uh, okay with it? Because I assumed you'd got it yourself. And when you told me that she found it for you, so she was completely bought into it. I mean, I was I was completely uh, blown away. And uh, that's an incredibly cool thing to have. So here's the next question. Well, let me Obviously, let me stop there real quick. I did yeah. want to say something about that. Uh, yes, it was Julie who sent me the link. So she knew there was a chance that I would bring this home. Mm. So you can say it's her fault. Yeah. 
she knows how much I've always wanted an actual arcade. Technically, I want a room with like four or five arcade machines in it. That's what I've always wanted, a game room. Yeah. It's, it is my dream, and, and this is goes a long way towards that because, because it's a Neo Geo, it covers a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. I do have, I can honestly say, a, a, a fantastic wife. More today... Uh, as we record this, the 20th of February is our 12th wedding anniversary. We've been together for 18 years, but we've been married today 12 years. So thank you, honey. Wow. I love you. Congratulations. Thank you. Go ahead. Wow. So my, my next question would be, it, would it be possible to take some of your other retro systems and hook them up to this so you could actually use them using the controller and the screen no. and everything? Is that, that too hard to do? No, no, it's not really possible. I, I could turn this into a main machine, which means I would basically disconnect the PCB. I can get an adapter for the monitor itself, and I could rewire the control systems to USB and just put a PC in it. But why would you want to break a working arcade game? Not only is it working, it's in almost pristine condition. It would be a crime to do that. Yeah. And I don't need to do that because I already have my MAME arcade, which is a half of our arcade with a flat screen TV above it that can actually rotate vertically or horizontally, as you know, because I've sent you pictures and video. So that's already taken care of. I don't need to do that. Uh, the, the, The actual arcades that I want would be... Um, dedicated machines, except for the Neo Geo, because you could change it. That's what it was designed to do. So it's not it, you're not hacking anything to do that. It's yeah. that's what it was for. But I want them to be the same machines that were in arcades. Yeah, you know, it's just I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's something about an actual arcade that you can go stand in front of and play games on. Well, that's, I mean, that's that's how we grow up, grew up playing games, particularly decent games. I mean, yeah, you had the 2600 and computer games and everything, but if you wanted a really good gaming experience, you had to go to an arcade, so that's what we know. Yep. I mean, my, ki- my kids have hardly ever been to an arcade. And when and now I, I I notice when they do go to those arcades at the bowling alley and stuff like that, all they want to do is is play those games that spit out the tickets. They don't want to play the actual video games because they can do that at home. Yep. Well, yes, I agree. Although... No. When I took my kids to that arcade in Goebbels, classic arcade yeah. that we talked about here on the show a couple months back, for my son's uh, seventh birthday, they had a great time playing the old arcades. They really yeah. like the pinball machines, too. And I have had a few people ask, are you going to get pinball? I like pinball. I don't like pinball as much as I like arcades. I, there's yeah. no way I could fit another arcade in this house. I, I'm no. still trying to figure out where I'm going to put this one because it's going to take some major rearranging of this room where I have the computer and my other game system at. Uh, and pinball is a it's, different. Yes, yeah. it's, it's uh, we we um, we had a, a a kid when I was at boarding school. We had a kid whose family had games and stuff like that, and they donated an old pinball game to the school. So we had it in our uh, common room for for a while and it didn't last they the problem is they need a lot of maintenance they do yeah Yeah, but it's it it does people say well it just takes the same space as an arcade machine no it doesn't it takes more it takes three times as much space because you still have to have the height and the width but then you also have to take into consideration the length yeah so uh you know i like pinball a lot and if i ever have a house where i could really fit you know four or five arcade machines and a pinball i'd probably do it but yeah. 
uh, I don't know. It's that's I, low on my priority list. Yeah, I've always thought I'd. I, it's probably more practical for a home to try and get a a cocktail arcade cabinet. You know, where where you can actually kind of use it as a table. Absolutely. You know, but but obviously then that, even then that's not quite the same experience as standing up in front of a working cabinet. It's, and and it's not just. I like the look of them. I mean, it's David. It's our childhood. Yeah. You know, there was nothing. It's really hard for anybody under the age of, I'm going to say 35 now. It's really difficult to express the the wonder that we would have at 10, 11, 12 years old, walking into a, a big arcade that had that, all of these yeah. games and they're making the noise noises. and the lights and oh. all of that. Yeah, it was, it was a kind of a special experience. It is. And I love that. I love that feeling. Now there's bad arcades. Some you know we've been into yeah. those where ugh, I don't want to replicate that at all, and I don't want the black lighting or any of that laser show or any of that crap. I just want to be able to look over and see three or four. Well, technically, I want five arcade machines. I've got two now: the main machine, uh, this Neo Geo. I want a Miss Pac-Man Galaga Anniversary Edition with the fast Miss Pac-Man hack on it, so it goes a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, a burger time and then i don't know what the last one is it could be part of me says donkey kong because it's so iconic but i i don't care about donkey kong that much it was never my game yeah you know maybe pac-man but yeah if you already have pack miss pac-man do you really need yeah. pac-man too similar mm-hmm. I, i'm i'm torn uh, tron that's an awesome game Oh, I love Tron, but problem with Tron is the it had different controls. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know that that's probably harder to get hold of in terms of parts and things like that if it needs work on it. Yep. Um, I, I there's a game that I play on Mame all the time that I never played in arcades. I don't. I've never even looked up online to see what the actual arcade machine looks like. But I love. It's one of my favorite arcade titles of all time now, simply because I've been playing it on my Mame machine. And it's so good, and it's it's a lot deeper than you think at first. It's called Mister Do. Now they made a lot of different Mister Do. I remember, games. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. With but this, it, go ahead. Yeah, but it was a, it was uh, he he threw the ball, and it was all fruit and stuff like that. It yeah, it's like kind of like Dig Dug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought that's it was just a clone of Dig Dug. No, it's so much deeper than Dig Dug. You can actually use strategy and timing, and oh, it's so good. And I really, really dig it. And. uh I, I would really kind of maybe like to have a, a, an actual arcade of that, but it plays so well under MAME that it's almost kind of a waste to, to fill up an arcade space with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Th- those are the, that's kind of my long time dream is to have yeah. four or five arcade machines in my house. The one I always admired and probably if I had an opportunity to get it, I would, I would find a way of doing it, even though I don't know where to put it. The um, do you remember the Star Trek arcade? arcade oh, absolutely. Game? The vector graphics yeah. one. Yep. Yeah. So the arcade near me, where near where I lived in, when I was in, on holiday in Florida every year, had one of these, and it was a sit-down version. Mm-hmm. So you, it, had, it was a big overhead cabinet. You actually sat down in front of it with the screen in front of you. I remember that. And, yeah. And but the thing is, you were sat down in something that was kind of like a captain's chair with the controls on the on the uh, arms, and it was really because it really did kind of make you feel you were, you were in the Enterprise right. a little bit, you know. And and to, if if I saw one of those at a price I could afford, I'd be really really tempted. I just realized what my other game would be. It would well if space wasn't a consideration, I'd get the sit down one. But 
being what it is, I would probably get the stand up. It would be Star Wars. Yeah. Because I would definitely want to have at least one vector game. Tempest mm-hmm. was my game growing up, but even when I go to that uh, the arcade, classic arcade in Goebbels, they have Tempest. Eh, doesn't do it for me anymore. But Star Wars, on the other hand, I don't know. Just you'd hear the the, the faux voices talking, and the music, and just the way the side panel looked on that machine. I think that would probably be my other one. It would be a Star. And it also had that it had that controller. It was very nifty as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. you two handed grip and trigger yeah. and thumb. Oh, that was awesome. So that'd probably be the other one. So it would be the the original Star Wars. Now they had a. Uh, a Empire Strikes Back, but it was actually a conversion from the old Star Wars game. Yeah. So it'd be Star Wars. It would be Burger Time. Miss Pac-Man Galaga combo with the, the hack. My current Neo Geo and my current uh, MAME. So you're way further along that dream than I am. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I think arcades were much bigger in the U.S. than they were overseas. Yeah. And I think a lot of people bought these older machines, put them in the house, and kind of like a hot tub. You think you're going to use it a lot, and you don't. And eventually, you know, guys get married, and their wife says, what is this big piece of plastic and thing that is just collecting dust? You never use it. We should get rid of it. And he tries to sell it for 500 bucks, and no one buys it. So he drops the price and drops the price. And by the way, I saw the same guy who was selling this one, he tried to sell it on Craigslist for 250 about two months before. Yeah. Because um, I went back and looked, and I was like, oh, that's the sa- it's the same picture, so it was the same machine. Well, let's face it, Tim. If it hadn't been you in the area and Julie hadn't, hadn't seen it, he probably will still would be sat there right now. Oh, absolutely. This, this, this is the sort of thing that not many people want to buy. Absolutely. Well, I think yeah. that's that, that was true for a long time, but I think... Well, there's no thinking about it. Right now, classic gaming is seeing a resurgence of the likes of which I've never seen. Yeah. Now, you know, and I, I don't even know if I've talked about this a lot on, on TechFan. You know, David, I have almost every video game console ever made. There's a few yeah. that I'm missing. Uh, I'm missing an Intellivision. I'm missing a Vectrex, which, by the way, I could buy a, a working Vectrex uh, right now for 100 bucks on Craigslist if I want it. Uh, I always wanted a Vectrex. 100 bucks. Um, I, I've always had a kind of this love affair with video games, but here's the thing. I bought all my stuff about 15, 10 to 15 years ago on eBay, most of it. And there was a few garage sales that I've stopped at and like last summer, was it last summer or the summer before? I forget now. La- no, it was last summer. I bought an Atari system in the box for like 10 bucks. Uh, and it was full of games. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, I spent almost nothing for these things. I was picking up N64 systems with like 20 games on eBay for 20, 25 bucks and free shipping. ColecoVision, 10 bucks with five games, free shipping. That's what it was 10 to 15 years ago because nobody wanted this stuff. Now, if you look on eBay for the same stuff, they're over $100. Some of it's $200. I mean, it's crazy that people are paying the prices that I'm seeing and they are getting it. They're People are asking these ridiculous prices, and they're actually getting it. I don't know what the difference is. I mean, what's old is new again, I suppose. But it, classic video gaming has has hit an all time high in reseller value. I could sell my old stuff right now and make a, a lot of money off of it. Yeah. but I don't want to. 
but I, I think and I'm arcade, not a collector, by the way. I think arcade cabinets are, are uh, you know, kind of Very really near, they're yeah, they're right in the fringes, yeah. really. Um, and it's interesting. I'm looking. I mean, looking on on UK eBay here now. What I, obviously there is a trade for these things for people who who actually want the working machines. I would imagine there are trade places where you can go and, and you know take your pick of what you want, and there'll be various conditions and at various price and everything. But just looking on eBay, it, what's interesting is that very few people are selling original machines. It's all uh, new. It's all new stuff that's been kind of stripped out and, and converted to MAME. There's very few people selling original original machines, yeah. Which is uh, is is interesting, really. But but I suppose maybe they are, maybe they are still in the trade. Uh, I just looked on eBay, and right there, the second one down. This is the US eBay. Bust a move and Neo Geo upright arcade cabinet puzzle bobble. That's exactly what I got. Yeah. Buy it now, seven ninety five. Just the cartridge. Bust a move, MVS for Neo Geo. $24. Here's another one, the whole arcade, $625. Another cartridge, 30 Just the little print, the little piece mm-hmm. of paper that I put up there in the marquee, $10. So yeah. you can buy these things, but they're expensive. Yeah. I got it for ostensibly $150. I can't complain. My And, you know, my wife knew who I was when she met me. You know, nope. I, I, I didn't... I never pretended to be anything else. I'm not a big sports guy. I like my Detroit Lions, and that's about it when it comes to sports. I don't gamble. I don't drink hardly ever. And when I do, it's maybe a glass here or there of, you know, uh, I do smoke cigarettes. But that's about it. I don't really have any big vices. Tech has always been my vice, David. Yeah. And I think you're probably the same way. It's probably why we get along so well. It's It's these little things that we can play with and do things with it's these big arcade cabinets it's the video game it's all this technology that really kind of gets my juices flowing it really does you know and it's not for for us david it's not limited to just a mac or just the ios i like playing with the windows stuff yeah i i like when there's a new stove and it has some kind of cool new technology that really interests me it's the new stuff in the cars, like your electric uh, electric car. I don't know why I can never say electric car. I always <laughs> want to say electric guitar. You know, because you could say EV. Yeah, there you That's go. That's an e- electric vehicle. So let's uh, before we wrap up the show, David, give us an update on the car. How's it going? Yeah, so the car's going fine. Um, as as I said last week, I had this big journey to do on Monday, so um, Nissan lent me another car to do because uh i had to leave late on monday night and i knew i wasn't i so that I was, was gonna, last monday right? that was last monday okay. and i knew i was gonna be leaving late in the evening and i really you know it was like a four or five hour drive i didn't want to stop and have to charge the car every hundred miles no that would be so uh but but as i say the deal here is that uh 14 days a year nissan will lend you another car so they lent me a car but the uh when i came back in to take that back, the guy was very interested to find out how I was getting on with the with the leaf, and uh, you know, yes, very uh, very pleased with it. Now, what I'm looking forward to next is uh, at the moment I hardly ever charge it at home because with where I work, there's a charger right outside the office, mm-hmm. so I tend to charge it there. Um, but when you buy the car here, a part of the deal is that the, for free they will install a high voltage commando socket into your house, so you can charge it as if you were at a public charger, 
rather than using a trickle charge. You know, right. they they, Takes much they give you a, yeah, they give you a cable that's kind of like a big laptop cable that plugs into them into a standard outlet. But yeah, that takes like fourteen hours to charge the car. So um, with this uh, with this um, commando socket that they'll install for you on the outside of the house, then it takes the same as if you were on a, a public charger. So I've been holding off on doing that because I know I'm moving house. Right? Why would you put now, that in yeah. the house that you're going to leave? Exactly. So, so now that we have a date for the move, uh, I'm going to be able to speak to them and uh, get that installed not long after we move in. So I'm looking forward to, to having that done. That's the next thing. Even though I, I prob- for the moment, I probably won't use it that often, but it's good to have uh, for those times that you do, you do need it. You know? Now, is the new house going to have a garage? No, well, we have a garage, but it, it's across the road from the ah, house, yeah. so there's no power in it. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, not going to help you. Yeah, so uh, what what I'll do is I'll get that socket fitted to the outside of the property, uh, and then I can park up outside. And do you worry it. about like it's? Let's be honest. I know it raining in in the UK is unheard of. Uh, <laughs> going up and grabbing this high voltage line. It's rain. meant to. They're, they're meant to have dealt with all of that. Um, certainly, whenever I've used a public charger, I've used it in pretty heavy rain and not had a problem. So um, well, I think it's all pretty well sorted for that. Yeah. Well, if you ever if you develop superpowers, we'll know why. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, have you been watching the yeah, Flash the TV like, show? I, uh, yeah, we have. We we've, we've been enjoying uh, that. Isn't that so good? good. My kids and like it. A, I like it. Isn't it amazing though? the special effects in that oh. show because i think five years ago you could not have done that no, show no <laughs> because not- now the special now it's cheap enough that you can do the the slow-mo stuff and the kind of the matrix star camera moves you can do it all in software and it's not just a flash it's the villains have powers like firestorm was on there and they show this guy on fire and flying through the sky, and this is a weekly TV show that yeah. the technology has come so far and not only that the i mean I re- did you ever watch the the old Flash TV series? Sure, absolutely. His the, the Flash from that is the dad on the new one. It's the dad on this one, yeah. I love but, that. But the, yeah, it was a good show, but again, the you know the special effects didn't really hold up, and no. the problem was you could always tell the special effects were cheap. Yep. With this, you couldn't. I mean, you could watch this in, in the movie theater, and you wouldn't think anything of it. I mean, it's that good. Did you know Mar- Mark Hamill was the Pie Piper in the original one? Yeah, or I did. Was it Pipe Piper uh, or no? No, wasn't he the trickster? The trickster, yeah. yeah. Did you know he's reprising that role for this ver- for I, the new I Flash? I heard that, yeah. That's I awesome. Yeah. Um, I didn't think that I would like the new Flash as much because I loved the original one, even though it was kind of cheesy. Uh, I, I liked some of the things that he had to eat so much because he would burn up so much energy. I loved that. Yeah. Um, but that guy was always going to be the Flash in my mind. Not anymore. No. This This new kid is... He's doing an amazing job. It's a and, great you know, show. I was very nervous about it because um, Me too. because he he the last thing he'd been in was like Glee. <laughs> so I never watched Glee, so well no, but it's like it was. I I saw saw the uh, casting house, and I thought really that's going to be, and I thought it was just going to be you know kind of the one of those um, WB style right. You know, shows full of pretty people right. talking about pretty things and their love lives and everything, and it wouldn't. Be, and it's not. It's well. Do you watch Arrow? Yeah, I've watched a. Li- I haven't watched a lot of it, but I've watched a bit of the well, of, of Arrow. That's where they started the character. That's where Barry yeah. gets his powers originally. Was on the Arrow TV show, and my understanding is they're going to keep crossing over. In fact, um, Stephen Arnell, who plays Arrow, posted a picture of him and his cousin. Now his cousin actually played Firestorm on Flash, and cool. it shows them both in costume. So it's like, oh, is Firestorm going to be on Arrow? I know this isn't technically uh, tech, and this is tech fan, but. I just wanted to, to talk to David a second about 
this series because I think it's a, it's so well done. Television right now, David, is simply in a brand new golden age. I know we said this before, but just so impressive. And the technology we have that we can watch it anywhere is mind-blowingly fantastic. I know. I know, absolutely. In fact, you know, there's one of the debates we had about the new house was um, whether we would put TV points for the kids in their bedrooms because they, you know, I, I said to my wife, I said, they don't really need TV no. because they're always watching the, the tablets. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of, speaking of which, major crisis while I was away this week. Uh-oh. I get a text from Leanne saying, Charlotte's very upset. Charlotte is five. Um, Charlotte's very upset. She's dropped her iPad and broken the screen. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, my... And she was... Yeah, she was She was sobbing. Yeah. She was so upset. Cole, at seven, yeah. dropped uh, one of my older iPhones, a uh, 4S, in the snow last night. Mm-hmm. I didn't find out about it today. Brooke said, do you think the iPhone will be okay now? It's been sitting in the bag of rice overnight. And I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I said, that doesn't work. Yes, it does. I even know that, Dad. And we had an argument. I said, putting your phone after it's got wet in a bag of rice doesn't do anything. It, it's either shot or it's not. The water damages it immediately. It's not like it soaks in water and then it, it's ruined. Once water hits certain parts, it's gone. I don't care what you put it in. It's not going to fix it. Of course, she wanted to argue with me. And I don't know if the phone is working or if it was not working or I don't know. But all I know is he dropped it in the snow. Brittany, our 20-year-old, put it in a bag of rice. So that was our crisis. <laughs> all right, David, we got to wrap. We're uh, way, way, way over than what we usually are. I had a great time talking to you today and Owen, of course. It was fun. It was fun. Um, don't buy the new Sony card, okay? No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> With that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. Make sure you check out the other show that I do on a weekly basis called uh, OWC Radio. I just had an interview with uh, Steve Sandy, who was at the unofficial Apple weblog. And, of course, AOL closed that down. We actually talked about that here on this show as well. Um, but he has started a new website called Apple World Today, so it's appleworld.today. Check that out because it's a really good site. And uh, it was a fun, fun conversation. I had him the entire episode, and we talked about that uh, two off closing the apple watch the apple car which we haven't talked about here on this show we will get to eventually um but make sure you check that out owc radio you can find it in itunes or blog.maxsales.com and uh we love feedback tim david or owen at techfanpodcast.com or just go to techfanpodcast.com and leave a message right there seriously if you listen to the show all this way you'll owe us an email send send us a message Thanks, David. Speak to you next week.